Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Got it. Echo. Uh-oh. Oh, that's, that's going to be me. I'll turn it down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put you guys on mute for right now, and then um, after, um, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about uh, Florida Action Committee, and then um, um, in between, maybe I'll um, allow you guys to uh, unmute you. If you have a question, you could do... Um, I think it's believe type it's it in. Eight, eight star, or you can type it in. Either one. So okay. Right. All right, I'm gonna mute all. All right, Gail, I'm gonna leave you unmuted. Um, let's um, welcome to Florida Action Committee's membership orientation call. Um, basically, this is for um, new members that are interested in in and seeing what they can do um, with, for, you know, with Florida Action Committee and um, this cause. Um, I'm Carol, and I'm standing in for Donovan. Um, he's been able to be with us um, on this one call. Galen um, is currently on the call. Coletta is our president. And Anita will be here um, to answer any questions that I might not be able to. Um, our, our mission statement is Florida Action Committee intends to educate the media, public, and legislators with facts versus myths about sex offenders. FAC works to reform the SO laws and registry in Florida. With unity comes change. Our introduction. Um, the purpose of Florida Action Committee is to educate the media, our legislators, and public with the facts surrounding sex offender issues. Our intent and concern is for every citizen of Florida, particularly those assuring a safer environment for our children, our future. We live in difficult times today, and when people have instant access of information through the media, internet, and newspaper, it is at times abused with sensationalism, creating hysteria by distorting the facts. It is Florida Action Committee's perseverance of providing variety in facts about what has been created thus far within our community, our government, and to realize what the future will hold in the state of Florida if it continues along our current path of dealing with sex offender laws. We need to realize the fiscal impact as well as the immoral burden our legislation create, creates, subjecting almost 60,000 citizens daily. We need to have a better understanding of how the many contradictions, both federally and within our state legislation, which deal with sex offenders affect our citizens. We must also understand there are many civil and human right, rights violations as well. We encourage our legislators to, to consider how important for us is to step out of the box, take a broader view of these issues, and create more reasonable and more financially responsible legislation so we can benefit by it for a long time to come. Although our federal government's intent in 2005 was well-meaning, well 
there is enough history to evaluate and recognize now it is time for redirection. The collateral damage is evident and unbelievably sad to see what has become of, our, of this country's foundation. It is not too late to make changes for Florida and our nation. Today, more than ever, citizens of, Florida, citizens of Florida need to take a stand, as well as all Americans. Florida needs courageous leaders to, support and, to write and support legislation that is truly for the best interest of the people and the future of the United States of America. Um, Gail, um, did you want to yep. just, uh, do you want me to read the letter or do you want to just say a little? Something? Which letter are we talking about? Um, it's um, the one written in October 31st, 2011. No, we don't need to read that. Okay. Okay. Um, basically, Cal just gave an overview of our, our statement that we have on our website so everybody understands what our function is. We do get involved um, and we do get a lot of requests to help people with individual issues, um, but as an organization, that's, that's really not what we're set up for. What we're trying to do is to change legislation because that's going to help everybody. If we focused on individual issues, we would help individuals but not really help in the bigger way and, and, and make change for the greater good. Um, we do offer you know, direction and resources. We can't give legal advice because we're not attorneys. Um, we are trying to help individuals that have like um, issues if you will, you know, whether it's um, uh, individuals that are caught in the sting situation or caught under CP or caught in Romeo Juliet's or um, their, their offense occurred prior to a specific date, I think it was 1993, the requirements are different for registration and to have access to be removed from the, from the registry. So we're, we try to bring that information to our members and to, like I said, put individuals with like situations together in hopes that through, um, through collaboration that they're going to find strength and be able to um, push for perhaps um, um, joint, uh, I just went blank on the word I'm looking for, uh, class action type lawsuits um, and to, to get you guys to, to work together to, for change for specific issues. But as an organization, our focus is pushing for legislative change so that it helps everybody, like mechanisms for removal on the registry or the ultimate goal, and which is one of the reasons that we are part of RSOL, which is Reform Sex Offender Laws on the national level, is purely focused on change for the registry. Um, we have several committees set up, and each committee has a very specific function. Um, Anita, you're on, right, dear? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, Anita, if you would like to add, you know, give an overview of our different um, committees, that would be great. Okay, I'd be glad to. Um, okay, well, we have, first we have the um, uh, outreach committee, and that's generally when we get a phone call or we send a postcard and somebody uh, wants to learn more about our organization. The outreach committee is usually the first contact. And um, they help to identify if this is, uh, you know, what information they need and get the, uh, 
and see if they want to become a member. And if they do, then they were um, they would be directed to the membership committee. And uh, we'd let them, you know, the membership committee is there to um, provide information and also to help organize other members in the same community so that we can uh, get together. We do meet and greets and uh, and meet face to face and you know as a support group and and also to um, know about our representatives in our area uh, and the membership committee uh, will provide you know any any materials that that one may need to um, to help us build membership because as we know and the, and the um, numbers are, are very important that we join together. We also have the Education Committee, and the Education Committee is focused on the studies and the research. Um, they take a look at the new research that's out there and uh, summarize it. Um, it may be discussed on some of the uh, member calls. Um, we've for instance, a, a major study that was done in California regarding residency restrictions and, and how it's uh, negatively affecting um, the state of California it was very, uh, very important for us to get that information out in our own communities. Um, and so the Education Committee is looking at studies being done in other states and sharing that information with us. Uh, the uh, Legal Committee. Uh, we're not there. We're not here to give legal advice to anyone, but the legal committee prepares information that may, we may want to, that we may be able to send to the ACLU, or if somebody has a particular issue, we may be able to collect information to help them support their case. Um, again, we're not there to advise, but we're we're there to to see where we can, um, you know, what what we can. Um, provide information on, and specifically the civil cases. That's, that's really where the legal committee focuses, is on ordinances and um, violation of civil rights. Um, we have the, uh, what am I forgetting here, of course, the legislative committee. I don't know, um, Gail, if you've addressed the legislative committee, I will leave that to you to talk okay. about. Okay. What other committees have I left out? Well, um, I don't know if first oh, media. that would help oh, media. Too. Media, right. Okay, well, the, the media committee is focused on, um, you know, we're, we're developing a way that we can communicate with the media to provide them with the information they need, factual information, and uh, make sure that they have the uh, correct facts. Uh, reaching out to them if they are, they they will come to us often and ask if we have any information. Um, for instance, um, someone had asked about the history of these laws, and we were able to quickly provide that to them. But also, when we follow the reporters in the areas, um, we may find that they're maybe uh, not using the correct language, or they're they have a misunderstanding of something. We try to uh, get the correct information to them, and uh, we will see a difference in their reporting once they have that information. They they tend to uh, pull back, and you know we can. Uh, I know I've actually heard reporters make statements that I feel like 
was coming right from our words. So they're definitely reading it. And, um, you know, we're also finding what reporters we can uh, focus on as far as who who is responsibly addressing this issue and um, when there is a particular situation going on, uh, we may go to them for um, to for some support of uh, a supportive article. So that's the media committee, and we're actually trying to form a uh, website that is outside of FAC. That is just really focused on the on the media. But this is something similar to what uh, US or Fair USA is doing, I believe. So we may want to yeah, work with going, them. I, well, I'll tell you about that in a minute. I haven't okay. announced it yet to the board, but, yeah, I'm actually okay. on the board. Right. Um, Trey, go ahead. Trey has a um, comment, I guess, about the media. So if you didn't see that, Anita. Okay. I am not online, actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Trey um, says, just, go ahead. Okay, we're going to have a lot of information to give to the media real short, very soon, involving the stings, but uh, will they report what we have? And I responded to him basically and said, remains to be seen. Um, you know, a lot of information and getting the information out to the to the, the media, it's not going to be a one-shot and just getting it out to them. It's going to have to be a constant bombardment of information. They need to see it over and over and over again. And what we should be doing is writing op-eds. And, um, you know, if anybody, you know, writes well and wants to write about a specific issue, we can, you know, approve, uh, approve the content. We can put it out as a statement from FAC. And we can start to just send them to different, you know, local newspapers, local radio stations. You, you send these op-eds, you send these letters, constantly bombard them with information and with letters. Sooner or later, they're going to get published. That's what RSOL is starting to do. And Sandy, who is one of the on the executive board, um, she has finally gotten a piece, um, a very good piece. I'll actually forward it to you, Carol, and, and you can get it out to the members that she just recently had. Um, uh, she just actually got published. Yes, Trey, I'm very much looking forward. He's working on a uh, PowerPoint presentation, I believe. Um, and uh, it's it's amazing. He has shared some of the specifics with me, and I'm not going to uh, divulge any of them. But needless to say, Trey has put together some um, hard facts about sting operations that are being done here in Florida that not only make them unconstitutional but make them illegal. And so um, we really, um, and, and there should be an investigation into how and, and what's being done and the funds that are being used for it. So when, when it's all put together, um, that will go public and I'm confident we'll be sending the information out to our members as well. Um, Go ahead, I, to, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, I, I think I touched on all the committees. I just wanna wanted to um, say again, though, that if there is a particular area that you have an interest in, then we want to put you in touch with the uh, representative in your area, uh, and um, so that we can get get started. And um, you know, definitely need everybody's help uh, to to make these things happen. I didn't say anything about legislative committee. Gail, if you want to say something about that. I will. I think we can unmute everybody, though. Let's see if there's any questions out there. We've been doing a lot of talking. Hey, guys. Um, Anybody have any questions so far with what you've heard, or do you want us to continue and then come back? 
No question. Okay. Um, I'm the chair of the legislative committee, and I'm also the president of the Florida Action Committee. So um, what does that actually mean? As the president of the Florida Action Committee, um, I, I, I have oversight for the organization, as any, any president of any organization would have. Um, it's my name, typically, that goes on everything when we make public statements. Um, I'm a very public figure. If you Google my name, you'll find a lot of horrible things that are about me because I'm a horrible person and I advocate for sex offenders. Um, and you will find some other things about me that um, are probably not so terrible. But um, what everybody seems to, to find as soon as you Google my name is um, specifics about my son and my involvement with FAC and all of the, the stuff being written about me as vigilantes. Um, I don't really care, which is why I'm, I've been able to go public. Not everybody has that luxury because of a job, because of other children, because of, you know, whatever. Um, not an issue for me. So I'm an extremely public figure, which is why I do a lot of the legislative work. I spend um, a lot of time, in fact, now that, that – um, um, Elections are over. I start the week of December 5th. I've already started lining up meetings with our legislators. I'm going to be back in Tallahassee. I have, um, uh, I should have at least four meetings and um, working on increasing uh, that. I don't want it to be a wasted trip. I want to see as many folks as I can. And I push to meet with legislators to, right now our focus is on trying to get a, what they call an interim project. It's a workshop for lack of a better term and we're trying to get them one in the house and one in the senate or to have them do it together where we will provide experts to talk about the research and provide them the information because one of the things that I discuss very often when I meet with legislators is not that we want them to let you know dangerous sex offenders just run free um, but we want them to recognize that the legislation that they pass is not is not having the result that they are, quote-unquote, um, professing to be passing this legislation for, which is safe for communities. Um, we advocate for, and I know it's an oxymoron, but it's intelligent legislation as it relates to sex offender issues. Um, so we're trying to get a workshop so we can provide the experts to present to them the research that supports our positions and, and to use programs to implement programs that are being used elsewhere, not only in this country, but other countries um, that are um, proving to be much more successful on reentry. Um, they tend to support the lower recidivism um, and so on. So um, we're pushing for that. We have a bill that we tried to run last year. Um, we, had P we, we did have a sponsor for it. But um, unfortunately, he did not get reelected. So I'm pushing that piece of legislation again. We are also going to be um, looking at getting a couple of, uh, and I have three legislators that I've been talking to. Now it's time to, you know, have the rubber meet the road, if you will, to go back and push for um, uh, reduction in the residency restrictions or the limitation of registry restrictions so that, because um, I can't get them to go away, at least not in a first shot. We're at least trying to get them to repeal the residency restrictions that are being set up as individual ordinances uh, within each 
different municipality and have it be a state-only mandated. So if we have to live with the 1,000-foot, then it's a 1,000-foot everywhere, not 2,500 feet here and 1,700 feet there. And, you know, uh, all of these, these crazy, crazy, crazy things. <laughs> so that's something that we're pushing. I have three legislators that have told me pre-session that uh, they're open to discuss that and to see, you know, what we can do, and I need to provide them the information which I have. Um, so we're pushing that. Um, other things on the agenda is um, from a legislative perspective, I'm trying to find additional um, organizations to work with us. I have a victims advocate group that um, the executive director is on board. She's got to get permission from um, the channels that she reports up through to let them support certain pieces of legislation with us, or at least coming out and speaking on behalf of the legislation that we want to pass, um, because she's on board with certain things. We are still pushing for um, the use of risk assessments. I think risk assessments as tool is the right way for us to go, at least in the short term. It's a step in the right direction. We can't have everybody treated the same. So what is the what what should be the dividing line if you will or what should be uh the the tool or the the, the yardstick of measurement. And I think that um, most of the individuals on the registry um if you believe the numbers do not pose a high risk to the community. Therefore, by the use of risk assessment, most of most of the individuals that are uh, forced to register and that are um, labeled um, inappropriately um, through the use of risk assessment, they would probably pass a risk assessment and come up to show that they are a lower, uh, of low or moderate risk and therefore should be dealt accordingly. Those that truly are of high risk, we maybe need to deal with a little differently. We have to start the um, the trend, if you will, to recognize it is not about what somebody did. It's not about the offense that they committed. It's about who they are that makes them a risk, higher risk for to recidivate. Now, wouldn't that fall in the same category as using the tier system correctly? If the tier system was used correctly, but, you know, there's research, new research, and Jill Levinson, I don't know if all of you recognize that name, Jill Levinson is a, is a researcher. She lives here in Florida, and she's probably one of the uh, most recognized researchers in the country, in the world, really, um, as it relates to, this, to, to sex offender issues, especially as they surround uh, risk and um, residency restrictions. And there's new research that has come out that they took a look at the tier system on the Adam Walsh Act, and if you actually look at the way that things are tiered, that they have, and then you actually compare that to a risk assessment tool, that most of the guys that are classified as high risk because of the way the Adam Walsh Act does it, if you actually did a risk assessment on them, they would fall into a moderate risk or a low risk. Whereas um, the guys that we now that would fall in under the Adam Walsh Act as being like a tier two or a moderate risk, okay, they actually 
because if you look at the way they measure, they're actually the guys that would be more typically high risk because their their risk factors are greater and they do have a higher level of recidivism. So if you actually look at the way the Adam Walsh Act breaks things down, the guys that are considered mi- the the middle middle risk. Those are the guys where, the, where we're actually having more recidivism than the guys that are being looked at as high risk. It's just, it's crazy. It's because what we're doing doesn't work because we are evaluating or, or we are assessing people and labeling people based on what they did, not on who they are. Um, and that needs to change. And so those are the things when I have conversations with legislators that I bring to their attention. So what we have to do is get enough of them to, you know, to step up and to talk about, uh, talk about the facts. And if we can get a workshop up there, we can talk about the facts and get the information delivered to the people that are making these decisions. I mean, and one of the, the best examples that I have is the ACLU asked us to participate, and Anita was there, um, and, and, and um, I don't know if Cal made it that day, but in Volusia County, the ACLU sponsored a symposium, if you will, an education day about who are the sex offenders in your community and, and, and what are the risk factors here. And they asked us if we would provide an expert that could speak to sex offender issues as it relates to residency restrictions, recidivism, and risk. And we did. We had Dr. Suzanne Klein, who is the who was the executive director of the Civil Commitment Program here in Florida, the SVP program, the Sexually Violent Predators Program, um, for the state of Florida. She has since resigned and is working with us because she recognizes that uh, not not everybody is not all offenders are created equal, and was uh, and was not allowed to say that in her role because she worked for the governor. So she has resigned. She is working with us to help promote the truth. In any event, um, she went and did her presentation. They did not get a huge turnout, but enough of a turnout. And when the ACLU was out there inviting commissioners, senators, representatives, the mayor, councilmen, everybody in the communities to come and present their side of the story, come and talk to the public and explain to them why we have the legislation that we have and how it's keeping them safer. And we were presenting the other side of here's what the research shows. Not one of them came forward to want to present anything because they had nothing to present because they don't have a leg to stand on. So when I go to the legislative session, when I go to the legislator, this session, I am absolutely going to tell them that story. I am absolutely going to bring that and say, because you show me the research and you show me the results that you're getting a return on the investment, that recidivism is going down because of the legislation you're passing. And I'll show you the facts of the research that's being done that says everything that you're doing is working against lower recidivism, and it is not doing anything to stop the cycle of abuse, and our position is no more victims. They can't argue with that. Now, back to the media thing with USA Fair. There's a new organization that has come around. It's called USA Fair. I have not yet gotten authorization from the Florida Action Committee Board, but I do see it as forthcoming. Um, They're an organization that is purely focused on information out to the media. They have the right people in place. 
we are going to be doing fundraising. I personally, you know, have just made a donation to them and will make a monthly donation to them. Not big. I can afford $10 a month. That's what they're going to get. Um, you know, but I, I, you know, I encourage people because they're going to be taking ads in Roll Call, which is a magazine or a publication in that is specifically for the senators in Washington and the uh, and the, the congressmen in Washington. They all read that, and it's getting an ad in there that talks about the truth. They are going to be reaching out to Nemec. Um, they're going to be reaching out to anybody to FDLE to um, the the criminal justice uh, to the the the. the what the hell is that? The U.S. Sentencing Commission to everybody, okay, to every federal organization, to newspapers, to anybody that publishes information about sex offenders, facts, okay, or and I shouldn't say facts, statistics, and they are going to put them on notice that their statistics are inaccurate. They're going to be sending them the right stuff. They're going to tell them they've got 30 days to correct it, and if they choose not to, they will start sending that out to the media that these organizations have the facts. They are choosing not to publish them. And if, we have to, if they have to, they will start taking ads to say this organization has the facts and they continue to promote inaccurate information because they're going to take a hard line with getting this information out to the public. As what, the way that I envision this um, the alliances moving flow, forward, and so that you understand the functions of the different organizations. The Florida Action Committee focuses on Florida legislation, period, Florida. We have RSOL, which is the national organization, which is a national movement to change the registry because that's a national issue. We have USA Fair, which is a national organization that is promoting facts to the media on a national level. There's an organization called um, uh, a National Committee for Reform. That is an organization that I'm on. We are going to be getting incorporated in everything over the next several months. That's an organization that focuses specifically on CT. Um, and that is a national movement. So you have these organizations, which are separate organizations, but they're all working in unison because they all have a separate function. Now, what I would encourage, I can't be involved in yet another organization, but I would encourage membership, you know, like Trey, you should be getting with people that are being caught in these things if it's a state situation and have an organization that's specific to that, that your focus is there so your energies are there and still work in alignment with Florida Action Committee because it's, because it's Florida issue. Right, and, so, exactly. and then we become Florida Action Committee. Okay, that's our, that's our parent organization here for Florida. Okay, then you have, like I said, we have National RSOL. So Florida Action Committee is an affiliate for National RSOL. We're going to be an affiliate, as long as my board approves, um, for USA Fair. So that's our national media push. And then um, uh, National Committee for Reform, which is CP. So under, the, under that National Committee for Reform, like I said, that's a CP focus. 
there could be if there are other people that want to use that once we incorporate it and use it for a sting or use it for, you know, whatever. But they're going to be for specific fights so that the information and what they're focusing on is being sent out specific to that issue so it's not diluted. And the reason that I see multiple organizations and that becoming affiliate groups for multiple organizations is that no one group can focus on it all. And by having separate focuses, I think what happens is people want to fight for things that are specific to their issue and not necessarily put their energies into things that are going to help everybody else, although I believe that when we help everybody else, we help ourselves, which is why I'm involved with Florida Action Committee, because I don't think that we should only fight for specific things, I think, but I think when we have a focus on something specific, the message that's going to come out is not going to be diluted, but I think we all need to fight in unison to help everybody, because to me, I don't care what you did. I think there's a lot of people out there that are falsely accused. I think there are a lot of people out there that, you know, are caught up in a lot of things because they were young and stupid. And I also think that there's a lot of people that have been caught up with things because they were entrapped into these situations. And there are people that have just done things that, you know, none of us would ever approve of. They themselves don't approve of, but they were at a, a that happened at a time of, weakness um, or that they were not of their right mind or they were in a compromised situation. There's a million, million reasons, and I, I don't want to call them excuses, but a million reasons that people have gotten caught up with this. I don't think we should turn our back on any of them because even though what they did was wrong and we could never condone the behavior, they have a right to be treated as human beings. They have a right to... Um, be treated within their civil rights and that once somebody does their time, they should have a second chance to come back and to um, live as a contributing member to society. And if they have an issue that they have impulse control, they need to be given the tools and they need to be monitored effectively so that they have no more victims because no child or no individual has, you know, has should have to go through being abused in any way, whether it's emotional or physical. Um, and for those of you that don't know me, I am a victim of, ch of child sexual abuse. I was abused from the time I was eight until I was 14. So I understand what it is to be on the other side of this. So I, have a, I, I think that I kind of bring a unique perspective when I speak to legislators and when I speak to uh, registrants and I speak to family members, I get it. I get it, it's the whole picture. But nobody deserves to have their life taken away for something that they did, that they've paid for. They've paid their debt to society. And everybody deserves a right to move on. And if you can't control yourself, then as a society, as a civilized society, it is up to us to provide you the tools to help you to control that. Not to label you and stalk you and harass you and harangue you. That's not, in my opinion, humane. I've talked enough. Any questions? <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Uh, I feel bad because these sting operations, we kind of thrust you into those things and... Uh, uh, and I don't, you know, I don't know if you know, the FAC is actually structured properly for these things. I know we're kind of winging it right now, but 
I hope I hope we get a chance to make a difference. That's for sure. There's you know there's so many things here that are, that are just wrong, and um, you know we need to have a voice with that. And I think you know Trey Trey, are you free to travel? Uh, not yet, but I'm hoping to hear in the next two weeks. <laughs> okay. Because um, if you're free to travel, I may, you know, and if you're not, maybe you can get special permission and come with me to the legislature. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely like that. So uh, as soon as my motion to stay uh, it should be granted here, like in the next 10 days, hopefully I'll be uh, free to free to roam here in a few weeks. Okay, because we're going to start. The legislative session starts in March, but if we wait until March, it's too late. So I'm already starting this. The first week that they're going to be granting appointments is the week of December 3rd, and then they're not back up there again until January. So I'll be up there December 3rd, seeing as many as I can, pushing to see if I can still get this workshop that we need so desperately. And um, then I'll be back up there in January, and then I'll be back up there in... uh, uh, you know, February, because then they have what they call committee weeks and whatever, so I'm up there for that. So it's going to be like from January through May, I'll be up in Tallahassee, yeah. Um, yeah. probably weekly or every week. Yeah, I should be good to go by then. I, I have a good feeling about this motion, so I, sh- I should be set. I'm all well out here soon anyway. So. Good. Well, I don't, you know, I don't bring people with me every time, and I don't bring the same people with me because, you know, people like to come with me. Um, but it depends on what we're going to talk about. Um, but I, I want to open up this whole other perspective with the stings and the legality. And part of that's where I'm going to be bringing your paper in and, and your presentation. And so um, um, we, we will work that into our discussion this year because that's a real issue especially if we have the specifics. There are certain legislators I would show that to and not others. Right, yeah, um, that's what I was hoping we would do something like that. Excellent. That's, that's what I want to hear. Yeah, we just, have to, we just have to work it right, okay, and work it oh, smart. Yeah. Um, and we have to understand, what you, you have to try to understand is that there are certain things that the legislators will find more palatable than others. Right, Okay. Right. Their mindset right now, and let me kind of, uh, if, if you like, I'll kind of walk you through briefly. Romeo and Juliet, they can pretty much all get behind. Okay, they think that um, as long as there isn't more than four years between the victim and the quote-unquote offender, um, they can all kind of get behind that, and I think that we will see some movement in that area. And even to the point of if we can get um, the committee bill again, the criminal justice committee bill again, I think a lot of those guys will just, you know, we can maybe move toward an automatic removal on the registry for that. So that they can almost find palatable because they see that as young people being stupid, okay? But what they can't see is like a 21-year-old guy with a 15-year-old girl which, you know, or a 16-year-old girl because their mindset is that at 21 you know better, that these are kids and that kids don't have, you know, they, 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 can't, give, um, they can't give informed consent because they're not old enough. They're not of legal age to do that. So that being said, you know, there's still a fine line there, but they find that palatable. I would believe, you know, I wanted to believe that they could understand that with possession of child pornography and distribution of child pornography and um, creation of child pornography are three completely different things. Someone that possesses child pornography has broken the law. Absolutely. They're possessing these images that are illegal to possess, but they're not culpable for the content. 
And if you're possessing without intent to distribute, you haven't sent them anywhere. This is purely, you know, it's a pure possession. So what have you actually done other than you're possessing something that's illegal to possess? When you get into distribution, well, now you're promoting and you're sending this around and, you know, I can understand them seeing that there is a culpability of, um, of continuing the perpetuation of the circulation of, you know, illegal material. And creation, when you're the person that's videoing it or whether you're the person that's actually performing the, the uh, you know, offending the child, you know, that's rape. That's a whole different, that's a hands-on offense. So there are different things there, but convincing the legislature that there is a different culpability factor here. And when I speak to the average citizen, they view it very differently. A possessor, possessor a distributor, a creator. There's a different level of culpability. And therefore, there should be a different offense level, a different risk factor, and a different sentencing guideline. But the legislator hasn't bought into that yet. When we look at sting operations, they think, okay, their mindset, and, I, and I'm telling you this because I want you to understand this, not because I want to be hurtful to you, okay? But they look at this as being like at the top, they think this is horrible because anybody that would try to lure a child or a minor online and then go to meet them, this is predatory behavior. And to them, that's extremely frightening. That goes up with the, in their mindset. That goes right along with um, someone who is actually grooming a child that they know and trying to gain their trust and then you know, engaging them in behaviors that we all know are wrong. They don't understand, Trey, um, right. that there is – that you have perfectly law-abiding citizens that are in chat rooms that are geared for adults, that you have police officers going in there, setting up scenarios and luring people that would not have otherwise broken the law, luring them into situations that create a situation that the law has been broken. Absolutely, and so, yeah. And so they're not understanding that. So that's something that we're going to have to educate them to. And this is going to be our first year maybe bringing that up as a topic of conversation. I can tell you right, right now, we are not going to get the support for change this year. But it is just like I know I did not get change last, the last two years for child pornography or the registry. It's a constant battle of bringing this information to them and getting them to understand what's going on. So I think when you have all of your information together to put this in a presentation that we can take to legislators as, and just as an FYI, here's another thing that's going on, and start pushing that because it's going to be an educational process. And where, and where that information is actually better, better, um, put in front of a legislator is not really now during le going into legislative session, but when legislative session is over next May to start to take, I know, I, I know it's like we all want to do these things so fast, but where we're really going to start the educational process is when we go from legislator to legislator, when they're not sitting there trying to deal with, you know, all these new bills that they have to learn and support or not support or whatever, 
Uh, and they're not going to do any legislation on this about this this year. I'm telling you that right now. Um, because well, they, 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 it takes them too long. long. On these things, though, it doesn't necessarily take legislation to stop these things. It takes a signature of the governor more than likely. You see what I'm saying? Okay, but 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 the we can take it to the governor's office, and I can get us in front of the lieutenant governor with this that, as a that, point of that, conversation. We can we can do that and not take this to the legislature, but take it that route. That we can do this year. But right. if we're going to stop things and stop because where you need the legislative change is to happen in the way that the sentencing is going on. Right, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where to go, where to go with that is after legislative session, like after May, start getting meetings with legislators around the state in their offices when they don't have the pressure and they're likely to sit with you for an hour that you can sit and we can chat with them and we can tell them and we can give them the material and we can do a small PowerPoint on our, you know, on a a laptop that we bring with us, that we'll be able to do not in Tallahassee because they will give you, you're lucky to get, I know certain legislators that I'll get 15 minutes or I'll get a half an hour of their time only because I I have a relationship, but for the majority you get five minutes. Right. Okay, and they're not going to really, we're not going to be able to educate them on this this year at legislative session. Um, But I think if I call Lieutenant Governor Carroll and and ask for a meeting and say there are a couple of issues that I want to talk to her about and bring something else to her attention, um, I think we have a shot with that. Uh, that's that's uh, that's what I was thinking. That would be ideal, the ideal situation for now, as far as quickness is concerned, so for sure. So when you're when you're all set with your presentation, then I will call her and try to get a meeting for us, and I'll take a trip up to Tallahassee with you for that specifically. Uh, I'm going to put this together nicely. It should be a real eye opener, but it's not going to point any fingers. It's not going to say, you know, this person is at fault and that that person's, you know, the, the reason why. But just this is how this is how it's coming down. Because the minute you start finger pointing, they're going to shut their ears. But we want to make you aware of this information. Of, of here's what we have learned. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is how, what is actually going on. Here are the realities. Exactly. Uh, absolutely. Okay. That's, that's my that's way of thought as well. So. Yes. Yes, Carol. Yeah, I hate to. It's it's getting um it's getting like ten till. So I just wanted to go over a couple more things. If you're yes, kind. I'm sorry. No, Carol. This, Carol, this is Anita. If I could have just one minute at the end. Yeah, I wanted to talk about postcards. If um yeah. If do you want to talk about that real real quick? Or give me about that, Anita. Uh, well, I basically wanted to talk about membership, our membership fee, and how it's used. Um, okay, go ahead. Cards. Okay. Um, as a member of FAC, we ask if you can uh, to make a donation of sixty dollars a year. And um, if you can't, that's fine. We still want you to be involved. We still, you know, want to um, get you on a committee and uh, participate and help us along. But where that money goes is for two primary um, uh, initiatives, and one is the postcard mail-outs. We um, sent out about 5,000 postcards last year. We are getting ready to send another 5,000 out. We have a lot more to go. So raising the funds to um, to print and mail um, those postcards. If um, If anybody wants postcards that basically say, uh, talk about our organization, who we are. Uh, it does not say the word sex offender anywhere on the postcard. Basically, just talks about 
um, the reform of laws that affect our families. Uh, you know, I'm happy to send a, a stack of them out to you if you want to individually mail them or address them. We can uh, give you that information. But we we do use our some of our funds to support the mail-outs and also to support uh, the travel and uh, conferences that Gail and, and others um, in the organization uh, you know, are, are doing. And otherwise, it's out of their own um, personal expense. So those are the two key reasons that uh, we do ask if you can um, you know, put in a contribution of $5 a, a month or $60 a year, that's where that's going. Or um, any any contribution that you can make well, at, any, you know, any, at any time. Absolutely. Absolutely any contribution yeah. at all because that's that's where the funds are going. And, Gail, I don't know if you touched on all the different conferences that you were able to attend this year um, with um, different well, organizations. I do the uh, – primarily I go to the APSA conference, which is the Association for Treatment of sexual abusers, which is where all of the researchers from around the world gather. And that's where I become most informed um, about all of the research that really supports our position and to learn about different programs for reentry. Um, and I speak to, you know, directly and get to know the, indi the individuals that are doing this research as well as, you know, the forensic psychologists that are, um, that do the, uh, risk assessments and do the psychosexual evaluations and so on. Um, it has been invaluable to me. I mean, this year it cost um, it cost me twenty four hundred dollars to go to Denver for this uh, for the conference, and Florida Action Committee just did not have the funds for that. And I went with Barb, another one of our board members, our education chair, and we paid our own way. What Florida Action Committee picked up was our room and you know, for the, and the two of us shared one room, so they were able to pick up the room, but we had to pay the airfare, our meals, and the cost of the conference out of pocket because we just don't have the funds. And when I go to Tallahassee, depending upon the time of the year, if it's during legislative session, it's $150 a night for me to be up there. I have nowhere to stay. It's $150 a night. Um, you know, I have meals, I have gas, and it's expensive to go. It could cost me, you know, $800 to be up there for just a few days, um, yeah. and I absorb most of the costs. Mm -hmm. I had a question, Gail. I remember we talked about fundraising events before. What type of uh, ideas would you have as far as that uh, raising money? I mean, uh, fundraising as far as fundraising is concerned. Well, we really, we really haven't come up with anything that's really good for fundraising. So anybody that has any ideas okay. um, would be oh, yeah. would be great if somebody wanted to help us in that arena. I mean, somebody had uh, said. You know, one of the ideas we heard is we should do a quilt and, um, you know, everybody buys a square on the quilt and each quilt is for every registered offender in the state of Florida, um, right. you know, but the registrants don't have any money. <laughs> right. So what we really need is, is we need mechanisms to reach out to the families and get the families to step forward and to, you know, to help. I mean, we've gotten in the mail, in our mailbox, and, and Anita, correct me if I'm wrong, where we've had RSOs mail a dollar. And a dollar yeah. coming from some of these RSOs that I know are living on the street is, a mil is to me, was like getting a million dollars from somebody. Right. Because I know how much, how hard it is for, th for them to come up with a dollar. 
you know, and then last year we were very fortunate. We had somebody make a large donation, but that's not going to happen this year. Um, and I'm very disappointed because um, she made a lot of commitments to help us. And because we weren't going to get immediate change for her son, um, right. she decided that she's not going to support the effort because she right. wanted us to change something last year. Well, right. You know, unrealistic, but it is what it right. is. Um, yeah. but I don't think people understand that legislative change takes time. It's, it's not instant like that. So. It, exactly, and it takes a lot of time. I mean, I I know everybody on the board uh, of this organization has come out to the tune of thousands of dollars um, for this effort that we spend all the time. I mean, I can't tell you how much money I've spent running around the state or in printing, and, and, and Anita with printing, and Carol with, you know, all the time and effort and monies that she puts in when we're trying to raise money to send out these mailers. We have another board member who we were short, I don't know what it was, $700 or whatever, and he yeah. put in the $700 so we could get the mailer out. I mean, you know, but we, none of us have endless funds, and we all have a family member that's in this situation that we're trying to support, or we still, you know, have huge legal expenses um, on the, you know, still coming up, and, you know, but it's a priority for us, and there's just no, there's just no way that um, we can say no, you know, I, we just figure it out. Um, but this year it's going to be very difficult getting to Tallahassee and having a place to stay. So I'm going to be mooching spaces from people, I think, this time around. Well, I can try to offer you meal and, and um, you know, try to help you out any way I can. I'm right here in Tallahassee like we spoke before. Right, absolutely. I'm looking forward to meeting you uh, when I'm up there the week of December 3rd. I'll let you know what day I'm going to be up there and we'll have to get together. That would be terrific. Yeah. Um, on a quick note, have you received any increase in any phone calls or emails from the cards that I have given no. out? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, um, just, the only uh, way that we would know is um, Donovan. Donovan receives those on the first response. Okay. okay. So, and we I haven't been, we, we've been checking the mailbox uh, once or twice a month. Now, when we do a mail out, we'll be checking it, we check it weekly. Um, but I haven't been. Uh, I haven't checked it. We'll probably get out there this weekend, um, and so uh, I wasn't aware that the postcards had gone out. But we did have been sending some to your. We have been sending some to members, so I'll be sure right. that we uh, check that weekly. Right. I, I received some. I just received the packet today with the stickers. Okay. Br this is Brenda. This is Brenda. Yes. Yes. Okay. Very good. Um. Is there anything else that we can answer? I mean, the, the orientation, I mean, I usually am not on this orientation call, and I'm sure Donovan has a whole format that he likes to follow to give you guys information. Um, so we kind of got off on that, and I apologize. I just never follow the rules. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, I guess, um, so if there's not any more questions, I'm going to end the call. Um, Basically, we have um, call to actions. I wanted to I wanted to say that, um, and um, the I believe letter is really really important. And that can be on the um, the web. It's on the website, and you can get that. Um, Gail, can you just say a little, just a minute on the I believe letter? I really the I believe letter. In fact, I have to go on there and update it. Um, 
the, we have something called an I Believe letter, and everyone should know who their legislators are. And we just had elections, so you need to find out who your representative is, who your senator is, um, at, at the very least. Also find out who your, rep- who your senator is and your congressmen are in Washington. You should know who your legislators are. You should also really know who your sheriff is, and you should know who your, public, uh, who your elected public defender is. But the most important things is to write to your legislators. Let them know who you are. Let them know you exist and let them know what you think. They do not need to know that you're a registrant. They do not need to know if you have your voting rights or not because they're not going to ask that question. But we have what we call, and I think it's a great first point of contact, it's called the I Believe letter. And basically what it says is it's addressed to your legislators specifically and it basically says, I believe that, um, you know, I believe that sex offenders or registered sex offenders should uh, have the right, you know, have the right to reenter communities. I believe residency restrictions don't work. I believe whatever it is, it's, it's just a whole list of position statements that we have as it relates to how we deal with registered um, persons. Because I, I keep, I hate using the SO term, but registered persons, how we, you know, how we feel about the way that we're treating them and how we feel about um, the laws that, that we have. And it's called the I Believe letter. So it's basically a statement that you make. That's the first letter you should send to your, to your legislator and sign your name um, and put a phone number and your zip code so that they know you're a constituent. They have to have a way to be able to reach you. Okay, because if they don't, they won't take it seriously. And if it doesn't have your name on it and you just put, you know, concerned citizen, it has no value. So it must have your name on it. Um, and then and ask them to get back to you. Say, I look forward to hearing from you as to where you stand on these issues. The next month, especially if you don't hear back from them, you should be sending another letter. Pick one item if it's residency restrictions, let's say, for argument's sake. The next month, you write them a letter. Dear you know, Representative so-and-so, dear Senator so-and-so, um, th- I wrote to you last month. I haven't heard back from you. I specifically wanted to know where you stand on this issue, what you're going to be supporting in terms of legislation this year as it relates to this subject, blah, 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 blah. I'm looking forward to hearing back from you, your constituent, you sign your name, your zip code, your phone number, and the, you know, the, if you hear back from them, great. When you get a letter back from them, you write to them. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that, you know, to hear from you. Um, I don't know that I share your position on so-and-so. I'd like you to consider. And you can address that if you, or you can hit them. If you don't hear from them, hit them with another issue. Dear representative or senator so-and-so, you know, I wrote to you for the past two months asking where you stand on these issues. I asked about this. I asked about that. I'd also like to know where you stand about this. And stay in their face, but in a very polite way. Never be nasty. Don't call names. Don't, you know, don't be harassing. Don't give them ultimatums. Just state your position and what you expect from them. They're working for you. They're supposed to be taking your position. And I encourage you to have your neighbors and have your friends, whether they are registered persons or not, if they support you, write a letter to their representatives, to their senators, if they live in your neighborhood, if they live in another neighborhood. And what's going to happen is as they're constantly hearing from people, they talk to each other up there. They're going to say, shit, I can get in a shitload of mail from people talking about this, 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 and this from my constituents. 
there's something afoot. Maybe a, we're not doing what they want. Huh? I have a quick question on that one. Um, there's a caller on this line that is in a different state. I'm not giving any specifics. Um, but the husband was arrested in Florida. Now, if she were to do or he were to do, and I believe that, would they address the county that he was arrested in or the state that they're currently and previously were residing in? Wherever their offense took place. Well, first of all, someone coming from out of state, they're writing to the legislature in Florida. Yeah. Okay. Um, isn't going, the, the law's changing in Florida. I'm, I'm probably not going to help them. Okay, because he still has to abide by the Florida laws. Even though okay, so his offense, ha- his offense happened in Florida. I'm sorry? His offense happened in Florida? Correct. Okay. So his offense happened in Florida. What, uh, what she can do is, um, whatever county that is, if she's got an address or something there, mm-hmm. okay, if she knows anybody with an address there, just all she needs is a zip code. Pick the zip code of wherever and write to those legislators. They don't need to know, but I would encourage her, um, the person that lives in Missouri. Correct. Is that Lisa? Lisa? <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, Lisa, what I would encourage you to do, Missouri, is um, I can put, do you know who the folks are there at RSOL in Missouri? Uh, do what now? <laughs> okay, there's an organization, uh, an RSOL organization in Missouri, Informed Sex Offender Laws, Dennis. And, um, I, I can get that is. Okay, you don't? Uh-uh. Okay, um, you need to contact me offline. I'll give you contact information. You should get active in your state as well because right now your your husband has to abide by not only the Florida laws but the Missouri laws. And in most states, if you can get your husband off the registry in the state where his offense occurred, the other state where you're residing will, will, um, um, will also remove you. So what... I suggest you do is you should be active in Florida because, you know, you want to write letters. And whenever we have a call to action, you should be on our list so that you could send a letter. Just I encourage you to find somebody that, you know, if you have a zip code and a phone number, even if it's not a Florida area code phone number, you know, people live down here but have phone numbers from all over the place. So I don't think that's going to be a problem, okay? But you need to find a zip code. Because yeah, I don't know anybody in Florida. You don't Florida. know anybody in Florida. <laughs> I know Brenda. Where, okay, where where did the offense take place? What city? Um, Gail, she can email me because um, it is good. It's like nine oh four right now, and I know you wanted to keep okay. this to a yeah. Um, so, um, Lisa, you can yeah. email me at info at floridaactioncommittee dot org. Okay, and, and then. And then I will forward your your email, whatever question you have, to Gail. Yeah, okay. and I'll, I'll get you what you need to have, what you need to do. I'll get you the contact information. Okay, right. I think Anita had something to close with. Uh, no, I've already discussed the. Okay. The okay. Good. Yeah. Okay, Was I have any- one one more no. thing. Um, the, the the I believe letter is is so important. It's our voice. It, um, the other thing I think we need to do is unify with others. This is really important um, because with unity comes change, and this is the only way that FAC will work 
is when we unify, you know, unify with each other and support one another. That's the other thing. Um, I just want to go over this. This issue affects and creates um, these these thing these issues for our our citizens. Freedom of speech. Um, it dictates in what we cannot say. Employment. It dictates where we cannot and cannot work. Um, housing dictates where we can and cannot live. Um, restrictions um, dictating where we can uh, um, the, the area where we that we you know want to go into. Um, family. It, it it pretty much dictates who we can and cannot be with. Um, the religious. It dictates that we where we can truly worship. Um, this brings discrimination, fear, and a loss of hope. And worse than Fear is the loss of hope. So um, I'm just going to end with that, and um, I'm going to end the call. And then, if you guys want to have some questions, um, I'll be glad to answer what I can. Okay. All right. I'm going to end the call. Thank you for for participating. Thank you. Thank you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.